Well, I do want to give a shout out to all you moms this morning. You know, without, without moms, this would not be possible. We would not be here. So I'm grateful. I know my mom said she's going to be listening to the sermon, so I'll have to be on my best behavior, whatever that is. Um, and, you know, uh, secondly, I just want to say, last time I was up here was fairly intense. <laughs> so I don't know if you guys are like, oh, no, where are we going to go today? We are going to talk about gaps to kind of finish something out, but there's a, there's a sense of, uh, and I think Brennan's picking up on that, is intuiting so much of joy. It's weird how, as a Christian, you can have joy in the midst of gaps. You know, you can have peace in the midst of gaps. But I wanted to say that um, I was very grateful the way that people reached towards Betsy and I, your kind words. Some people sent cards, emails. I know a ton of people are praying, which I'm very grateful. I hope all, all of us are praying for all the folks that, you know, it's not just about what Mark is going through, but what we're going through together. And I think everybody can relate to this idea of gaps in life, right? It's just, to me, so uh, central. And so it seemed good to revisit this idea of what do we do when our world just feels like it's starting to fall apart, we can't quite get a handle on it. You know, we talked some about this, um, but Brendan and I were talking again, and it seemed good to revisit some things. And in particular... I want us to look at the second half of the verse that Brennan worked from, uh, verse 8. Because there, there's some telling things here that we'll, we'll talk about in just a moment. But verse 8 says this, First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you. And so Brennan's point last week in a nutshell was, first, thanksgiving. It's good to give thanks to the Lord. And then um, Paul says, because your faith is being reported all over the world. Now, you could, you could read that and think that's metaphoric. I don't think it is. I think Paul, who is a globetrotter, I mean, here at this stage of his life, he's traveled the known world three times, bringing the gospel to unchurched, unreached people. He has a pretty good pulse of what the headlines are out there. And, and, and one of the headlines that's happening is the faith of the Christian people in Rome. And you'll, we'll talk in a minute about that. But I want us to think for a moment, because nothing turns heads like faith. When there is something that happens, when the doctor says, I can't explain this, it must be an act of God, that's tough for some doctors. You know, they spend all that time in research and in science, and they like to have A plus B equals C. And when A plus B equals something else, they have to say, I don't understand this, but it must be an act of God. The skeptic, I love it when I, 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 you know, you have a friend who's a little skeptical about issues of faith, and something happens, and they say something like this, I don't know how that happened. It's their way of saying there, there was a gap there. It didn't look like this was ever going to close, and it closed in a way that I, I would have never guessed, and... I'm a skeptic, so i got to say I don't know how, but I'm inferring how. The headlines that say unexplainable, you know, you hear these things. I, at Anderson Windows, I used to hear these guys, these Harley riders, say, they'd say things like, that happened for a reason, you know? 
or else sometimes they'd really get profound and they'd say, the big guy in the sky helped me. <laughs> it's like, that's a nice macho way to say, you know, the big guy helped me. But this letter of Romans is all about gaps and all about faith. And if there's someone who can really teach about this, it's the Apostle Paul. He understands this. He understands that faith is the heart of it all. In fact, in a few verses, he's going to declare the righteous will live by faith. Pulling in an Old Testament passage and plugging it in, and he's saying, if you want life, if you really want life, it comes through faith, through trusting. It's this letter, it's that thought that ignited Luther's heart. When he was caught in a world that was all about works, and with works, it doesn't work. Because when you face these gaps and you think, how am I going to get there? And you know nothing that you've tried works, nothing that you know of works, and you know what I can't catch up. That's not going to work. Works doesn't work. And Luther's looking and saying, this doesn't work. He reads this letter and his eyes get, they get pulled into the righteous will live by faith. And that fan, the flames of the Reformation, it's the verse that gave you the reason that you're sitting here today. Thank God for verse 17. You are here because faith brought you here. Now, Paul knows these people are facing big gaps, massive gaps. In this phrase that it's this, their faith is being reported all over the world, what's happened? Well, if you go back in the book, in fact, if you go to Acts 18, 2, you get a clue, because this is what it says. There he met a Jew named Aquila, a native of Pontus, who had recently come from Italy, Pontus is in Italy, with his wife Priscilla, because Claudius, the emperor, had ordered all Jews to leave Rome. When Claudius takes the throne... The Jews and the Christians were lumped together. There wasn't the divide that we know today. In fact, many, uh, many Christians would attend synagogue because their Bible was the Torah, was the Old Testament. And so for them to get teaching, they would attend a synagogue. And so there was this weird collage. So Jews and Christians at that point in time would kind of be lumped together, especially in the emperor's eyes. And they were weird to the Romans. You guys take your religion way too serious. You're so exclusive, you cut out all the fun in your life, i.e. sin. <laughs> and you, you're so determined about your faith that you're always being contrary to the Roman way. And so the way that Claudius dealt with it was he pushed them out. And so out they go. They've been pushed out. And, and so for about five to seven years... All the Jews, all the Christians are pushed out. And now they're coming back, and Paul is writing them. Now think about this. You've just been forcibly oosted from the place where you live. So you go to your house today, and you see soldiers there. And you get out of your car slowly and tentatively, and you say, what are you doing here? And you're saying, you're out. Excuse me? You're out. Why? Because you're a Christian. Get out. Well, what do you mean get out? I mean get out. You got five minutes to grab what you can carry, and you are out. And then they march you out. Now, 
It's been five years. You don't know what remains of your house, of your land, of the place where you worked or you shopped, you went. But you feel a sense of call to go back because it's, in a sense, home, so you go back. Do you think there's gaps? You better believe there's gaps. What will it be like? What's the certainty? In fact, you're still kind of limping from the gap of, Lord, where were you when he demanded we leave our homes? And so Paul is writing this letter to stir the faith, to encourage the faith, but he also wants them to realize that, hey, you guys, your faith is being reported. The whole world would know. The Roman Empire was the ruling empire of the world. What happened in Rome became big headline news, and so when they get oosted, headlines. Now they're coming back, more headlines. But there's more gaps. And there's more questions. And so Paul is picking up the pen. He's writing this letter because he really wants to encourage them. In fact, in just a short while in chapter 1, he's talking about, he's hoping they can be together because he wants to be mutually encouraged by each other's faith, their trust, their belief. They're, They're trusting in God to fill the gaps that are there. So... As I was praying about this morning, and Brent and I were talking quite a bit, and he said, you know, Mark, it, it, what's on my heart is that I think we, we kind of talk again a little bit about the gaps. And, and what are some of the things that Paul says about closing, gap-filling faith, that kind of thing. So I think there's three things that are worth noting this morning about how Paul's faith closes gaps and how he's offering that to the Romans and to us. Because I think if we have anything in common here this morning, we could all find some gaps that we're facing. Is this not true? Certainly you moms, I I can think of my mom when I talk to my mom. She said, she'll ask me sometimes, what are you speaking on? And I said, I'm speaking about gaps. And being the smart aleck that she is, she said, you mean like the one between your ears? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, very well played. Yeah, mom pulls no punches. I said, no, Mom, not that gap. We don't have that much time to talk about that. (laughs) So we talked and we laughed. And I said, you know, Mom, were there gaps when you were raising me? She said, oh, boy. (laughs) She said, the most troubling thing about you is when it was bad news, I thought, it's Mark. But when it was good news, it's like, "Uh oh, (laughs) what really happened? (laughs) When's the floor going to fall out? So there's gaps. You know, certainly as a parent, you run into gaps. You know, but, but every person here, I'm convinced, especially after a few Sundays ago, is facing gaps. So how does our faith help us cross those gaps? Three things that Paul says just in this chapter that are good for us to revisit. Number one, gaps are good. They really are. It sounds weird to say that, but they're good. In verse 1 of this chapter, Paul says this. He says, I'm Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, Brendan unpacked that, called to be an apostle and set apart apart for the gospel of God. Later on in chapter 1, he expounds on what that gospel is. And he says in Romans 1, 16, 
The gospel is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. It's the power of God that brings salvation to everyone. And so when you're facing these gaps, just like everybody in the book, just like everybody in this room, what the gospel says is God loves the gap. Because only he's the one to cross it. Only his power closes it. Only his ability can bring you from this point to that point. The whole book is about gaps everywhere. And when we, when we realize that these gaps are good because it gives the gospel opportunity to be showcased, we can step back and go, it's good. I was just talking about faith and gaps with someone this morning who's facing a gap. And they said, you know, sometimes it's, it's hard for me to think, is this just my imagination or is this faith? The Bible is full of stories that you would think these people are clinically insane. Seriously? Moses, a fugitive, decides to go back to the nation he's running from, to the ruling powers that he's running from, to deliver the nation Israel out of their hands, their main source of employees, he's going to take from the strongest ruler, and he's going back as a fugitive. He has no army. He goes on to say, I have no eloquence. Lord, who am I to speak? I'm not very good at this. It's, it's kind of as if God said, hmm, who could I send back to Egypt to deliver these people? I know. I'll pick the most unlikely person. Moses. I mean, think about this. You who are married, your spouse comes home and says, we're going to go on this crazy mission trip and we're going to go into this nation to deliver people who are slaves. And you say, well, how do you know we're supposed to do this? Well, a bush talked to me. <laughs> oh, a bush talked to you. Yeah, really clear. Told me to take off my sandals. Yeah. How long were you in the sun? Well, not that long. It sounds ludicrous, doesn't it? Who are you going to send to fight the giant, the experienced MMA fighter of the year, Goliath? A kid? Where armor, adult armor, doesn't even fit this kid's body yet? You're going to send that kid. Well, at least give him some good weapons. A slingshot. You're sending a kid with a slingshot, no armor, against the world champion. Really? Oh, it's, you see, it, we, we just page through the book. It's all crazy. And it's intentionally crazy because God wants you to realize it is the power of God that brings salvation. Not my power. His power. I was thinking of that Rich Mullins song, My Deliverer is Coming. My Deliverer is Standing By. You folks, you old folks like me, you know that song. But just that drive of that beat, my deliverer is coming. And when you're standing at the gap, the reason it's good is your deliverer is coming. I don't know how, I don't know when, but I know he loves gaps. He always steps into gaps. That's, that's what he does. And so we can do what Brennan talked about last week. Even before the answer comes, even before the gift is realized, we can say thank you. For this gap. Because there's really two times to thank God. When it's good and when it's not. 
Because the psalmist says, he who offers thank offerings prepares the way of salvation. You're preparing the way, your perspective. When I was working at Anderson Windows, it was kind of crazy. Every two weeks, you'd, your shift would change. So you'd go from third shift after working two weeks to second shift for two weeks to first shift for two weeks and then back to third shift for two weeks. So your body just never knew. Am I going to bed? Am I getting up? Am I working? What am I doing? And so this one particular third shift week, uh, we were blessed with the flu. And I wasn't feeling so good. We had three kids then. All of them were throwing up almost in concert together. And then Betsy turned really white, and she's throwing up. And I have to go to work. And I said, you know, hon, do you really think I should go? I could call. She goes, no, I, th I think it'll be fine. Just go. So, you know, you're driving away. Your whole house is sick. You're not feeling so good because, you know, when you're around sick people, you know how that bugs, it just gets in your head. And you feel like it's right here shadowing you. So I get in the car, and I, I am not happy. Are you happy if you're in the moment? I get in the car, and I'm grumpy. And I'm like, oh, this is terrible. Why do I have to go to work? And finally, I stop barking, and the Holy Spirit says to me, thank me. And I think, oh, no. Yes, thank me. So... You know, being the compliant, good Christian that I am, I went, yeah, thanks a lot. <laughs> no, I mean, thank me. I did. Thank you. Thanks a lot. No, thank me. All right. Thank you. But every time I would say thank you, something would shift a little bit. And pretty soon I was saying, thank you, God. Because I can't be there, you can. Thank you, God. I don't have the strength, but you are my strength. Thank you, God. You're my healer. Thank you, God. You will, you'll support Betsy. You'll be there. You'll be our strength. And every time that I was expressing the thanks, it was opening up and helping me to see God's in the gap. And so in those moments, it doesn't feel good. It doesn't look good. But I'm here to tell you, and Paul has got it written down, Gaps are good because in the midst of those gaps, God showcases his power, his salvation. Not many of us came to Christ at a good time of our life. Showcasing. So Paul says, get in your head, gaps are good. Then he goes on to say, gaps are not God. We can make gaps God so easily. When you look at it and you stare and you go, oh, it's so big and the pressure mounts and you feel like there's no way. It's insurmountable. It's impossible. It's incredibly impossible. It's hard. It's grueling. It's painful. And you realize how unable you are and how big the gap is. And so God says, no, they're, they're, those aren't me. And Paul says it this way. He says, I'm Paul, and the very first thing he says about himself is, I am a doulos. I'm a slave. Which means when you're a doulos, a slave, in that culture, it means everything you are and everything you have becomes the property of your master. In a gap place, you are making a decision who's going to be your master. That or him? 
And it is so easy. It is so easy to look at it and go, there's just no way. I, you know, I, I'm tied up and I'm bound up in it and you feel like you're subject to it. But he's, Paul's not saying that I'm a, I'm a doulos, I'm a slave to, to be boastful. He's doing it to model. He's saying, look, if you are going to cross gaps like I've crossed gaps, you've got to get this right. No gap on the face of the earth is bigger than your God. None of them. You must be determined. You must have that in the front pocket of your brain. Because what God is looking for in that moment is he's looking for surrender. He's looking for you to turn it over. He's looking for partnership. He's looking for submission. But that kind of submission, that kind of surrender is not defeat. It's faith in action. It's the realization, it's the declaration of I can't, we can. I don't know how, you do. I don't have the strength, you do. I don't know the way, you are my way. I don't have the life. You are my life. And so once again, you know, in this, in this moment, in this realization, I have to make the decision, is this going to rule my life or is he going to rule my life? And that takes trust. And honestly, in my life, it's way more challenging than I realize. I think that I've surrendered and then I hit another gap, and I go, dang it, I got more to surrender. Is that true with you? You just go, oh, I thought I gave him that. I thought I learned to trust him here. See, he's always calling us, give me a little bit more. So gaps are good, and they're certainly not God. And all this leads you to a third understanding that Paul wants us to grab is that gaps are revealing. You see, when you stand at a gap, you understand where your faith needs to grow. Do you not? I mean, honestly, for me, this recent gap, I just, I thought, I don't have any answers. I don't have any place to go. I feel like I'm 60 years old. I don't have the time. I don't have the knowledge. I don't know how this is going to change, how it's going to turn around. And in the last two weeks, God has been rearranging my brain cells and helping me to get a grip on the fact that I don't need to figure that out. I need to faith it out. It's not up to me. It's up to we. And so all of a sudden, I'm realizing, yes, I need to surrender again a whole nother measure. I need to turn it over. As I do that, not only does it re reveal where my faith needs to grow, it reveals God in a way that I didn't see him before. If you go back to the story of Moses when he's getting sent, Moses is arguing all the reasons why he doesn't think he can cross this gap. I'm not a good speaker. They're not going to like me. Who am I? Who are you? And so God starts to enlarge his faith and enlarge his understanding of who he really is. And he says, what's that in your hand? Well, it's a staff. I mean, he would have carried it everywhere as a shepherd. It would have been just his everyday tool. It's like a hammer to a carpenter. But what Moses was about to see, he's never seen before, is just throw it on the ground. He does. What happens? 
turns into a snake. Woo! Never seen that before. I didn't know you could do that, God. That's kind of freaky. Could we stop this now? Just turn it back to the staff. Thank you. You see, when you get in these moments where we're facing gaps and we realize, okay, this gap doesn't feel good, but I know God's going to work good. This gap is not my God. He's my God. What do you want to reveal? He's going to open your eyes to see something. Something you've never seen about him before. Abraham, the father of faith, gets promised a kid. Doesn't come, doesn't come, doesn't come, doesn't come year after year after year after year after year. Finally, they think we're good as dead as far as childbearing years. What happens? A kid? Huh, I didn't know you could do that. Daniel gets thrown into a lion's den. They're all... They're hungry lions. They're probably not well-tended lions. They're probably abused. So they're ornery lions. Daniel lands down there, thump, eye to eye with the lion. The lion licks his face. Huh, I didn't know you could do that, God. Daniel's friends get thrown into a furnace that's so hot that as the soldiers get ready to take him there, those soldiers burn up. They get dumped into the fire. Somehow they have a big panoramic screen so the king could watch this whole nasty ordeal. What in the world's going on? I thought we threw three guys in. What's that fourth guy in there? And why are they dancing? Never seen that before. The boys are like, woo-hoo-hoo. Didn't know you could do that. What is it in your life right now that you're facing? And how is it that God wants to say, Let me show you something you didn't know I could do. Let me show you. Because when he does that, it showcases him. You see, you go back to the verse that we started with. Your faith is being reported. It isn't the faith of the Romans. It's the faith of this God of these Roman Christians. In small ways, this happens in the life of Mark Spencer. I'm not as adventurous as the Apostle Paul. But one of my old college friends, it's funny what the Internet does to you, was surfing through, and he found Mark Spencer, pastor at Bridgewood. And then he went to Bridgewood's site. And then he listened to some sermons. And then he found out that I was doing a marriage class, and that, that did it. He contacted me, okay. Is this the Mark Spencer that graduated from Ripon College? Yes, it is. Is this Mark Spencer that graduated from Ripon College, the one that played football? Yeah. Is the guy that graduated from Ripon College that played football? Is he a pastor now? Yep. And is he teaching marriage classes? Yep. That ain't Mark Spencer. It's God. I mean, he asked me. We finally talked on the phone. He goes, are you kidding me? You're teaching a marriage class? Do these people know who you are? I said, they do. They've heard the stories. And they're coming to the class? (laughs) Oh, yeah, it makes it really interesting. I'll bet it does. What makes you think you can teach a marriage class? Well, this God has held ours together for 35 years and done a pretty good job. 
I'm no expert, but what we've learned we'd like to share. Woo! And you know, he had one of those moments. He didn't know how to package. He didn't know how to respond. He said, well, that must be God. <laughs> to which I said, amen. You see, those gaps are revealing. They're not there to torment you. God's not up there being a mean God, you know, like he's burning up ants on an anthill with a magnifying glass on a hot day. Oh, good. How can we torment Mark Spencer today? You know, that's not God. He's not delighting. He sees. He feels the pain. He's, he, Jesus is called the man of sorrows. He empathizes so deeply with the brain. He enters our pain. He lets the pain of the lepers run off on his body. He bleeds in our pain. He's not a mean God, but he wants to bring us to this gap. He wants us to face this gap with him so that we know and the world knows there is a God. There is a God. So today, I'm still in the gap. I'm still waiting. I'll be waiting, I think, for some time to see what I'm looking to see. But I'm waiting with new purpose, new encouragement as I stare at this gap and wonder, how is that going to happen? There's a new perspective of what bridges that gap. I trust, I hope that in your gap right now, you can begin to, through the letter of Romans, say, you know what? I don't like it. But it's true what Paul says. I can see that there's going to be some good. And you know what? I'm not going to let this gap be my God. And I can't wait to see how he reveals himself as he moves me across. And you know what, people? Your whole world is watching. Mine is. Mine's watching. And so I'm standing, and I'm believing, and I'm hoping, and I feel off balance, and I feel vulnerable, and I feel shaky, but I feel peaceful and hopeful, all of that in one big spiritual casserole. And I know that the only way that I'm getting from here to here is by trusting this God who says I'm big enough. Paul seals the whole letter at the end of chapter 16, which, good Lord, I don't even know if we'll be alive when we get to that chapter. <laughs> but he says, now to him who is able. That's so important. He uses that in Ephesians. Not to him who is able to strengthen you according to my gospel. What's your gospel this morning as you face your gap? What's your good news? Is it a God who will strengthen you? To stand and face it is a God who says, I will, you don't know how, you don't know when, but he will deliver. Because he wants to showcase his goodness to you and the world around you. Pray with me. Lord, we take a moment to by faith say thank you for gaps. Really, thank you. I pray for all the gaps that are present here this morning. We know that you're going to work good. Don't know how. 
don't know when. We just know. So we trust. Thank you for watching us. We know others are watching as you do your work in and through us. So, Lord, as we get ready to do the offering, to go back to worship and to communion, we invite your spirit to come, to begin to work in our hearts, places where we're stuck, where we can't say thanks quite yet. Free us. Places where maybe we got trapped underneath the weight of the gap. Liberate us. And stir us and remind us, you are the one who is able. We give you all the praise and all the glory and all the honor. In Jesus' name, amen. Says my confidence is your faithfulness. I will rest in your promises. My confidence is your faithfulness.